Welcome to Oasis Podcast Sermons, where our call is to gather the scattered back into relationship with God. Holy Spirit, give each listener discernment, wisdom, and understanding as they desire to know you more. Speak to their hearts and continue to guide and direct them into deeper relationship with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Enjoy. I just feel so blessed this evening just with um, just with the testimonies of being shared and in the midst of all of it, you know, we don't look like we don't look like everybody else here. There's no doubt about that. And, um, you know, I am just, oh, I'm so blessed by the Lord. Um, I really am. So for tonight, we'll, if you guys will turn to um, Joshua 7. But just before we get into that, who knows about Jericho? Okay. Danny, you want to give me a quick little synopsis of what happened to Jericho? Uh, the walls fell down. The <laughs> <laughs> walls fell down, right? <laughs> there was okay. a whole lot of shouting and a whole lot of rumbling and a whole lot of walls fell down. Yeah. Cool. Okay, now, who knows about the city of Ai? Ai. Okay. That was the very next battle that Israel went into. Hi. 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 Okay, so, so a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about how Israel was crossing the Jordan, how the Lord told Moses, here's the pr- procedure, uh, Moses by Joshua, here's the procedure of how you're going to cross the Jordan. We went through all of that, right? How the Lord spoke, they followed, he performed this miracle upstream, right? All of this stuff started happening in order for the Jordan to actually dry up where they were crossing. So now in Jericho, I'm just going to give you a little quick recap here. In Jericho, the Lord comes to, to Joshua in, um, in Joshua 6. And he says, And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have get, given Jericho into your hand as the king of the mighty men of valor. You shall march around. And he starts giving all of the instructions as to what needs to happen around Jericho. Down in the you know, further on in chapter 6, he also says this. Everything that is in Jericho, man, woman, child, livestock, has to get destroyed. But all of the gold and silver will come unto me. Okay? So here comes Israel. They marched around. The walls fell like Danny spoiled that ending. And, you know, they did all of that. They did all of that. Now, Jericho was ruined. Israel is, I mean, Israel's like, whole, we just did this. We didn't even have to break out a catapult to break down the walls. It, God delivered this entire city into Amen. our hands, right? Okay. How beautiful is that? Isn't that the testimonies that we are sharing here this evening? Hallelujah. Right? The Lord is delivering freedom into people's lives. Amen. Right? He is saying, hey, if you follow my instructions, if you follow the following things I tell you to do, there's freedom, there's joy, and there's abundance on the back end of this. Amen. Amen. Okay. Now let's look at I. City of Ai. Very next battle. This is where we are in Joshua 7. So if somebody would just read Joshua 7, verse 1. Let's do verse 1 through 7 real quick. 
and go. Isn't that an interesting paradigm, sh paradigm shift on behalf of Joshua right now, right? Jericho, let's say, well, it's a previous battle. Praise be to Jesus. We, this entire massive city is just handed over to us, and we didn't have to do anything. We blew the shofars, the walls came down. The Lord spoke. He said, do the following things. The walls came down. They had victory. Come on. Okay. Now we see this. The very next battle on Ai is the Lord consulted. No. No. Is the Lord's voice involved in this following battle at all? No. no. What happens? What does Joshua do? Joshua sends out spies into the land to go look and see what's going on. Not uncommon, right? They did that when Moses was around with Jericho in Canaan. Not uncommon. But here's the thing that they do. They never consult the Lord on this very battle they're about to go into. Because look at this great victory that's behind us, right? Look at this wonderful thing. Look at this magnificent testimony that's behind me right now. I don't need the Lord anymore. I got this. I got this. He just delivered me from all of this stuff. So from here on out, I'm going to rely on people's understanding and people's input on my next situation, my next battle I'm walking into. What happens? Israel goes. They say, there's not that many people, so we're only going to take 3,000 soldiers with us. Let's go out and do this. Look at the despair that actually strikes Israel in the middle of this thing. Only 36, only 36 of their soldiers die in this encounter. Look at how Joshua is in so much despair going, why, Lord, why have you brought us here? Why are we to die here? If only we stayed on the other side of the Jordan, it would have been better for us. 36 out of 3,000. What's, what's the math on that? That's like less than 0.01%. It's 1%. Yeah, that's something stupid, right? How many times, how many times have we faced the same odds of defeat in our lives after some of our biggest victories where the Lord did a thing in our lives that's so magnificent that it cannot point to anything else but God's hand? And in the very next instance, we rely on people again. We suffer a minor setback, and all of a sudden, God, where are you at? Why are you doing this horrible thing to me? There's, there's a message in here where we need to take a look at our victories, right? We praise Jesus for the things that he has brought us through, the deliverances he's given us, right? The healings and everything else he has brought forth in our lives. On the back end of that, there's a cautionary tale. Walk closely to the Lord. Never depart from His ways. Never look towards man for your next instructions. Because if man is involved, when man starts dictating what we are to do and it's not by the Lord's word, there's despair and there's destruction on the back end. And at that point in time, it's not even a big loss that, that they had. It was 36 people. But look at Joshua, who, who walked next to Moses, who saw all the great things that the Lord did, that just brought the entire nation through the Jordan. They took Jericho and everything else, and there's 36 people, and all of a sudden the world's ending. 
we, we, we look down on this. Now Joshua decides, okay, what are we going to do? Lord, why have you done this thing? So now is the first time, now that he's ex- experienced the loss, that he goes, Lord, what is this thing? Why are you doing this to us? What does the Lord say? The Lord comes because now Joshua actually goes to the Lord and says, why is this happening? He goes, because you, you people have sinned. Part of what happens in chapter 6 is this. He says, women, children, old, young, everything dies by the sword. But in the midst of, of the, the, the Jewish camp, you've got Achan. One man who decides, I'm going to take 200 shekels of silver and some fine things. And I'm going to hide it. The Lord said this in 6. Do not take any of these things. All of the gold and silver is for me. Like your first fruits. Right? Like our tithe, like what Chris was talking about before. They keep that. And because of the arrogance of a few, the sin that's involved in the camp, because of a few, Israel's placed in this predicament. We have to take a look at that in our own lives. So, so, so the Lord speaks to Joshua later on in, um, in 7. He says, hey, look, here's how we're going to weed out where all of this is coming from. And the Lord starts placing stuff in, its, in his way. And eventually it gets narrowed down to Achan. And Achan confesses to his son. He says, hey, these are the things that I have done. And he runs back to his tent. And he grabs all of this stuff. Lord says, look. They committed this sin. They, they committed this arrogant thing against me. And therefore, he, he deals out judgment to them in the middle of this thing. Something really small. 200 shekels of silver today equates to about 2,000 bucks. Is that enough to have 36 people killed for? No. No. If it was maybe millions of dollars, sure, let's talk about it. But two thousand dollars, I mean, that's not. But, but, they, but they took this stuff and they hid it underneath their tent. And the Lord said, "You have done an evil thing. You have done a horrible thing because I told you not to do this, and yet they move forward in it. Small compromise." Really small compromise on the back end of something that Israel already had a massive victory in. Once that is dealt with, in the fullest degree that the Lord said that it needs to be dealt with, Israel comes back into alignment. In Joshua 8, now, the very first verse in Joshua 8 says this, Now the Lord said to Joshua, again, now they're communicating. The Lord is speaking to Joshua, this is how you're going to do this. And there's victory on the back end of that. There's a wonderful thing that happens on the back end of that. But we, we, I feel like we stare ourselves so blind against the victory of Jericho. These, this massive thing that the Lord accomplished. And nobody ever looks at what happens next behind that. I was listening to Chris's testimony. Chris's testimony starts off with his massive victory in Jericho. He is here. He's got, he graduated Team Challenge. The Lord is moving. The Lord is building this, this support system 
for him. He's got a job. He's got all this stuff going on. Small compromises sets in. No longer consulting the Lord. No longer looking at him. I'm sorry. But I'm just. Oh, come on. <laughs> but no longer is he involved. No longer does he want to hear what the Lord has to say. Starts introducing all manner of stuff into his life. In Chris's example, it's not just Chris that gets punished for this. In the middle of his disobedience, in the middle of him running and doing all the horrible things, there's his girlfriend and the daughter that is in the middle of that. His family is stuck in the middle of that, and so is his, her family. Yeah. Everybody's stuck in the middle of this mess. We see God's redemptive power in Chris's life. Because Chris comes before the Lord in the middle of that fire and he goes, Lord, forgive me, I'm not ready to be in your presence. But he makes it right before the Lord. He says, God, forgive me for the things I have done. I want to make this right. Now we look on the back side of Chris's story. Right? Now all of a sudden the Lord is moving. He's back into the right relationship with the Father. He's asking, what is it that you want me to do? How is it that you want me to walk? Oh, you want me to be over here? But I don't like that. God goes, okay, sure. That's cool. You have a choice. Chris says, I'll be obedient. And he follows what the Lord is saying. And in this season, the Lord is bringing forth another testimony. A wonderful works of how he's being restored to his family. How his daughter and his son and his ex-wife, everybody's coming back after a nine-year hiatus. Nine years. Nine, Nine years. years. Yeah. A mere amount of being an idiot. Yeah. yeah. And in the middle of that, he actually, he actually signed away. He told me last year that in the middle of his previous addiction, he actually signed away all of his parental rights, 100% to her. And said, I no longer need any of this. And the Lord's hand is in the midst of this thing. Our God is a wonderful God. He can do things by just merely having his hand over a situation that we can never achieve legally. Never. Right? We have, the story keeps on being written. Right? The story keeps on being written. If the story stopped at Jericho, then God is a wonderful God and he does all these things. There's no accountability. There's no, there's no effort on Israel's behalf. They just have to follow his voice. But the story kept on going. Now we see ai. aye. All right. right? Now, they don't listen. They don't ask. And they're in the middle of sin. So God brings judgment against them. Terry spoke earlier this week about Jonah on the boat. Right? He's in rebellion. He's, he's working against what God is telling him to do. Again, we see God bringing judgment into that, that situation with him. Right? In Terry's, in Terry's example of Jonah, it's not just... Jonah on the boat that's getting affected. It's everybody. It's everybody on the boats around him as well that's getting hammered. <laughs> so after our biggest victories, after the things that we have interceded on our own, you know, when people have interceded on our behalf, when we have interceded on somebody else's behalf, when we have been in the trenches, when we've pleaded with the Lord to do this miraculous thing, and then that thing happens. We cannot get arrogant. We cannot say, well, it's all good. I don't need Jesus anymore. I don't need God anymore in my life. Because he set me free from this thing. I can go do whatever. Come on. 
We have to stay humble in front of the Lord. We have to continuously keep our knees bent in front of Him to say, Okay, Lord, what is the next step? Yeah. How, do, how do I take this next season of my life and how do I walk it out in front of You to be honorable, to be obedient to You? Because if we don't and if we're stuck in sin, there's repercussions to that. Jesus is redeeming power. We know all about it. Here we see. They deal with their sin. Lord says, here's the punishment. It gets taken, um, gets taken care of. And he restores them back into right standing. We cannot stare ourselves blind against our, at our recent victories. The things the Lord just did for us, the things that he did yesterday for us, Yes, we can be confident in God. We can be confident in what He is capable of doing. But we cannot be arrogant in the fact that we say we don't need Him anymore. This is God's chosen people. This is the successor to Moses, the one who saw exactly how Moses walked. He was one of the spies that went into Canaan in the very beginning and said, we can take this thing. But yet, even in the middle of that, that diligent life lived well, 40 years in the desert. He loses touch. He starts listening to people instead of the Lord. And that is a message for each and every one of us. We've got to get to that point to where we do not lean on our own understanding. We say that a lot in churches. Lean on your own understanding, right? Sure. But look how easy it is for that stuff to sneak in. As the Lord was speaking to me about this, I was like, okay, how would I have reacted in the middle of this thing? I can't tell you that I would have been any other, I would have done anything else than what, what happened with Joshua. We like to take things that the Lord has told us to do in the past, we've seen victories, and then we like to take that same little stamp and try and apply it to the situation that's at hand next. And it's not about our own abilities, it's not about who we are. And what we do, it's about our God. It's about Jesus and how He wants it to be done. Because He is a creative God. He does make new things. And I'm thankful for that. I am so thankful for a God that is this powerful and this just. And He is so patient with us. Even when we make faults like this, when we make these, when we do all these screw-ups, right? then he still says, hey, you can come back, but you need to make this right. There's a price to be paid on the back end of this. But it needs, we need to go through this thing so we can get you into, back into right standing. And as soon as we get into right standing again, the Lord brings it up, puts the next battle in front of us, and guess what? If we're back in right standing with him, there's victory again. I hope Holy Spirit spoke to you about something in this message today. If you would like to come to service in person, we meet on Sundays at Palmer's Cafe in Bend, Oregon at 5 p.m. located at 645 Northeast Greenwood Avenue. Or if you have any questions about what you just listened to, please email us at oasis.centraloregon at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in.